Welcome to the worst nightmare of all. Reality. Explore the lesser-known stories of our unknown world. Join the pursuit of the paranormal with Ash and Greg. Hey Ash, how's it going? Good, good, very, very good. And it's getting into winter again for some reason. Yeah, it's going to get down it's... to minus 10. That's weird weather for March. It's it spring now. Should have daffodils blooming. Mm -hmm. So before we lambs. go any further, Ash, I had a knock at my door on Saturday. Oh, yes. And my dogs went apeshit. <laughs> then, and it was the Amazon driver who literally just left some parcels at the, the door. So I was thinking... I haven't ordered anything from Amazon, absolutely not. And but it's addressed to me with my name, so I, I start opening it. <laughs> and there's a little note in there that says "Happy Birthday from Ash." Oh, that's nice. And I got it? I got some little presents from Ash. Thank you for my book, Ash. Thank you for my paranormal log book. Thank you for my crystal. Um, I don't know what what you call it. I, I, <laughs> I don't know what you like call. Um, what a yes, no, maybe crystal reading tool and wait there Ash <laughs> ah very nice my chakra pyramid so thank you for the birthday gifts Ash I pose a happy birthday for next week yeah thank you thank you thank you grand old age of 25 um <laughs> <laughs> again but cool so tonight we are joined by someone that I conversed with over the, the last few days um, on a friend of the podcast, Michaela's Paranormal or What group chat on Facebook. They seem to be popping up everywhere. I seem to have been invited to loads of them. I don't know quite what they're all about, but I go with it. I go with, I'm go. i on a few of them and they're just like, what the fuck? I don't, too much going on. Um, and yeah, I I asked if if you'd like to come on and have a chat with us. And here we are. So welcome along, Reverend Victor S. Johnson from the U.S. Whereabouts in the U.S. are you from, first of all? Thank you so much, Greg and Ash. Uh, you can hear me, right, by the way? I yeah, just yeah. Make sure oh, absolutely. Very good. Uh, yep. Thank you for having me. I am from the what's known as the Mid-Atlantic region. Um, as I'm your neighbor from across the pond, this is kind of relevant, Philadelphia. So that would have been where uh, we did all that unpleasantness, unpleasantness to you centuries ago, and here we are now. Yeah, welcome back. I'm sorry. <laughs> on behalf of America, I'm sorry. <laughs> There's not many times that we get people on apologizing on behalf of the US. <laughs> so thank you for that. So we're going to talk about paranormal stuff today. And oh, I hope so. And some other bits. But first of all, Reverend, where did that come from? How did you get to that? And what does that all mean? Well, I actually am a legal reverend in the United States of America with a, a weird kind of non-denominational church. Now, not a cult, but the Universal Life Church. A lot of people listening might know this church, but the whole edict of the church is anyone can be a priest or reverend. It's literally just entering an email address, signing up, and they give you a certificate. So I've been a reverend for a very long time. I found it in what? a magazine ad, and here we are. That's cool. That is a cool way into it. Yeah. yeah. So what does that mean you can do? Oh, I can do uh, anything from officiating weddings to performing exorcisms. That doesn't mean everything's going to go off without a hitch, but... I can try. So, so have you done either of those two things? Uh, kind of thankfully, not yet. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Which, one's, which one's got more pressure, the wedding or the exorcism? I don't even know which one's going to be, be worse, to be fair. Yeah, uh, in America, it would probably be the wedding, yeah. <laughs> just to be sure. <laughs> yeah. I probably uh, should have uh, become a licensed divorce attorney instead of a reverend, to be honest. But here we are, with any yeah. regard. Be quite a lot of business around the world, I think, after <laughs> COVID and all that kind of stuff going up. It's just kind of the way we go. Everything is an industry, so 
Definitely, <laughs> definitely. So, first of all, then, so going back, and uh, we'll talk about like your origin story. How did you get into the paranormal? Tell us about that. Uh, good question. I've been into the paranormal for a long time. I want to say since I was about five or six. Okay. Um, my grandmother was really into serial novels about paranormal investigations and things like that. Like, I can't do algebra worth a damn, but I know a lot of Bermuda Triangle disappearances kind of off the top of my head. And it's just the way I've always been. So I guess it found me, but it's the thing that always piques my interest and has for decades and continues to do so. I cool. base my professional life around it. I moved into being a, well, I'm still a paranormal investigator. I moved into being a ghost tour guide and now I'm writing books on the subject. So, Cool. So did you have like an experience early on in life? Because that when we, we speak to people, they, t they tend to have one of a couple of experiences. They're like have some kind of paranormal experience or some people will will have some kind of UFO experience and that's kind of set them on this this path. So what what sort of set you down this this journey? Was it a paranormal experience? Uh yeah, pretty much. My family still being into it. Um my mother uh, coerced me into doing a séance with her when I was 7, wow. which was horrifying and traumatic, but Nevertheless, it did send me down this path and things kind of, I don't know, snowballed from there. Um, did see an apparition of my great grandmother during her own wake. So I figured, all right. And it kind of just connected. I still have those experiences to this day, even professionally as a tour guide, but we can get into that in a little bit. But yeah, yeah. as a kid, mainly my family kind of drove me into it. Cool. So how how that sort of as you're growing up, did you sort of your sort of interest grow, or was it something that you sort of ignored for a bit and then got into as as an adult? Uh, both. While I was maturing through the process, came the advent. Not to date myself, because I am also 25. <laughs> if that's what we're doing. Um, <laughs> by the way, happy birthday, Greg. I want to make sure I get Thank that you. out there. Thank you. Sorry. It's on Saturday. It's on it's on Saturday coming up. So. Yeah, well, I got it in, and I can't get you a present, so I figure getting it in early will, will help it out. Your presence is my present. Thank you. Excellent. I think that's the only time in my life's history where that will count for something, but I'm glad it does. <laughs> so uh, through my adolescence came a few things. Um, my family's old books, like I grew up with Jay Anson's The Amityville Horror which was a big one to me. And as an adult, realizing a lot of that was very likely faked. But along with that came the advent and popularization of the internet. Yes. And with the internet, even with the early internet, especially over here, there was a lot of cata cataloging and categorizing of rumored haunted destinations and places. And... There was a place actually right by me. There's a, a business entity called Weird New Jersey. And that what started as a magazine in New Jersey, focusing on New Jersey hauntings and urban legends. They branched out into a website that became very popular for a long time. And then they branched into other states, Pennsylvania, California, et cetera, et cetera. There's another book I just happen to have here from so long ago. I'm going to hold it up, but no one can see it at home. That is the National Directory of Haunted Places by Dennis wow. William Hawk. And this is a book that will go state by state and tell us of every haunting in Missouri that the author could catalog. Wow, <laughs> wow we could have done with that. We, we've, we just, end of last year, we just finished off um, a series of short episodes where we went state by state talking about all the haunted happenings per state so that would have oh. been very handy for us <laughs> saved oh, yeah. a lot of time it, it would have been fun uh in you did that in america i'm sorry to ask you a question but 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we we started off and done all the states alphabetically. So I'm That's now with when I play Trivial Pursuit or the Chase or something like that. The United States is is my thing now. It's my specialist subject. So we're we're all good. <laughs> it's so fun. packing up, and I'm sorry to ask you questions, Greg, but you went from Alabama to Alaska. Yep. Yep. Um, <laughs> via the podcast, not not physically. Oh, okay. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. I didn't I make that very clear. I had an anxiety attack on your behalf. So my, okay. Yeah. Good <laughs> it would, it would have been good. It would have been oh, good. Not, very fun. Yeah, that would have been It would have been fun. But yeah, we did go Alabama, Alaska. We went all the way to Wyoming. And... Okay. So, well, yeah, that was, that was good fun. Thing, but yeah. This book is yeah. the same kind of thing. And I, as a 16-year-old, I'd kind of memorized this almost cover to cover, starting with my own yeah. state and, of course, branching out. And as I read this book, I kind of made a vow. I'm going to see these places. They exist. I love the lore. Why can't I see these places? Why can't I see if the rumors are true? And that's where my real interest began. Now, into adulthood, life got in the way. After COVID, I realized, and I did have a loss in my family. That's okay. I won't get into that. But you kind of realize life is, yeah, life is precious and, you know, important. And it's important to do what you want to do. And I want to see these places. So I started taking these road trips and checking them out. Cool. Do you have, uh, like, a sort of favorite place that, that you've been to as you've been sort of been doing this journey? Well, yes, uh, there are quite a few, but um, I'll keep it simple. My favorite place, based on just the mystery surrounding it, is a place called Dudley Town, Connecticut, which is five hours from me. I've been there twice already. Dan Aykroyd, the actor who co-wrote Ghostbusters, who's also in the film as Ray Stance, calls it the scariest place on earth. And he is a bit of a spiritualist and ghost hunter in his spare time. UFOologist as well. Very, yes. very fun guy. That being said, I had to see Dudley Town for myself. It's in the book. I can probably find it right now, even as I'm speaking to you. That's how much I have this memorized. But you can see it on any top 35 US. There it is. Dudleyville. They have it as Dudleyville. It's actually Dudley Town. Okay, cool. So good job, Dennis. But with Dudley Town, it's cursed. The The old legend is, and this is unsubstantiated, but this patch of land in this western part of Connecticut, nothing would grow there. And the settlers, who were the Dudley family, began to have a lot of bad luck and misfortune over the years. People began to go insane, including the last resident in the 1950s. It was a doctor who lived there with his wife. The doctor went out of town to New York for a few days. When he came back, his wife had had a complete mental breakdown and began to talk about friends she met in the woods and all this. So with that, the town was finally abandoned after all this time. No one would develop on it. No one has developed on it. And it's kind of open to the public now as a walking trail. And I went there and I got to see it. And I got to say to myself, this is Dudley Town. And as I was walking through it, I was overcome by all these strange headaches and migraines. I don't have a history of headaches or migraines. And I nearly kind of passed out. And I had to make my way outside of the bounds of Dudley Town down to the nearest restaurant and kind of take a breath and get on with it. Wow. <clears throat> so what what do you think caused those, those headaches? Well, we're... Uh... In our society, we're taught to write these sort of things off. Now, recently, I've gotten into spiritualism personally. It, again, comes with life changes. I decided to go down a path of that. And I do kind of believe that things sort of connect in ways I can't ignore. And I'm that way because I'd like to be that way. I don't feel I need to make a case for it. I could. I just don't feel like it. But... Through reasons I uh, I could get into later, but, you know, to save time, make it brief. 
Uh, I think there are connecting points. I think that things happen and we go through this sort of set path and maybe we can change things if we do this minuscule thing or that minuscule thing. But really, it's important to be on the lookout for stuff. And as I began to kind of trip through these places, my senses kind of opened up to things that aren't really there. And they hadn't been there before. When I was an office drone, believe it or not, and I don't, again, I know we're not doing cameras. I have a handlebar mustache. I'm wearing a bandana. I used to be a salesman. I, I used to be in real estate, frankly. This, okay. I used to work in an office. And it was too humdrum. And uh, that's not my, like real life is boring to me. So as I was able to kind of start meditating and opening myself up, to all these things around me, I realized that, as I said, not to go back over things, uh, things are connected and my senses are kind of more heightened than they used to be. There was an experience I had in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania. There's a haunted object museum, and I love oddity shops, as we call them over here, but it's a collection of haunted objects in one location. And the documents are there, da 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 da. So Gettysburg was the biggest battle of the Civil War. A lot of amputations happened on the battlefield. They had an amputation board, and the first thing the host says to me is, put your hand on this board. So I do, I take my left hand, slap it on the board. Starts going numb. She says, uh, this is an amputation board. And now you know what it feels like to have had an amputation. And yeah, I got kind of numb, kind of tingly, a sort of a phantom limb sy syndrome, even though I still have it. So a lot of people think this is a dumb story, but ever since I put my hand on that damn board, if I walk into a building with a lot of spiritual energy, it'll start to go numb again, and I'll start getting a pins and needles feeling, and people will see me during an investigation, doing shaking my hand, my left hand, about as quick as I can, because it's got that feeling again. I don't know. I can't really explain it. There's no scientific thing I want to go into. People tell me, well, psychologically, you've uh, tricked your arm into doing that. I'm like, I don't think I, I did that. If I had that power, I would probably kind of trick people into giving me money somehow. <laughs> I don't make a lot of money doing this, but it tends to go off. And as my left hand started to get more tingly, I began to smell sensations that weren't there. And I began to start to hear little bits and bobs of conversation from people who aren't in the room, not physically. Okay. So how did you... What did you think to Gettysburg? Because we've had some guests on, friends of the show now, who've done um, uh, a documentary about the ghosts of Gettysburg and have found it uh, like a very haunting place. Do you, did you get like a strange feeling? Did, apart from the obviously the amputation board, did you get any kind of sense of foreboding and such like around the battle? battlefields at all because it, it does look like quite a somber place from the photographs and stuff that i've seen but good question um i'm actually a tour guide in gettysburg now at one of the haunted locations okay. and the, the ghost tour industry is something else there are certain things i can get into and can't get into but one of the slogans at one of the ghost tour places in town is it's a ghost town with a history problem and i think that kind of sums it up there's this magazine i want to say it was uh u.s travel that has gettysburg as the sixth most haunted town in america based on reported hauntings number one is new orleans but everything under new orleans always fluctuates and gettysburg is still in the top 10. yes cool. you kind of can't throw a rock without hitting a ghost if that makes sense yeah you mentioned the haunted objects museum in gettysburg what's your sort of take on haunted objects haunted dolls haunted paintings that type of thing do you think that they can 
sort of become haunted by by a spirit or whatever it is yes um i can't really i have a theory on it and i believe it's the energy of the person kind of attaches itself they had a chair in that museum and they had a mirror that they claimed to be possessed and at the time i'm still skeptical believe it or not i'm like well you know i'll go by the mirror who cares i felt like i was being pulled apart at this point like from my neck down something had my ankles and something had my neck and i was being pulled in half that way like my perspective was like everything was small and suddenly i was nine feet tall and i nearly passed out i had to head outside that was during the same tour i've had other experiences similar to that where i'm overcome with not only the headaches and migraines but I get really nauseous and nearly faint. And this only started after, again, that damn amputation board and I guess that mirror. But it happened out in Las Vegas at the Zach Bagans Haunted Object Museum. Take from that what you will, but it something did work in the in the Bagans Museum for all intents and purposes on me. Oh. Interesting. Interesting. So do you, can you get a sense of when you're around a haunted object? Do you get that fee? So if somebody said, I've got a haunted painting or whatever it might be, would, um, would you be able, or would you get a sense that there's a presence there? Do you have that kind of ability to do that? Uh, I feel like I do now. And it's not even when they say it's haunted. Is the thing like uh, I went on a daytime tour in Philadelphia at a place called the Hill Physic House. Now, Doctor uh, Doctor Physic was our father of modern surgery over there. He actually trained in London, came back. He had perfected the autopsy and the cataract surgery. He had done a lot to train University of Pennsylvania medical students back then. And his house is on the historical marker. Now, a historical society gives tours of it. It was on our ghost tours. And it was one of our popular stops. So I had to see it during the day. So I took the daytime tour. And this is a straight historical tour. The guide is a volunteer. They don't believe in the paranormal or the afterlife. They just take people through and talk about Dr. Physic, his wife, and all the things that happened there as facts. As I'm going through it, and we're in the dining room where they used to eat, here goes my hand again, going nuts. And I'm doing that on the tour, and I can't say to her, well, my ghost, my personal ghost arm activated. So I just said, don't worry about this. Uh, I did something to my hand, and I just kind of tried not to shake it so much. But... Yeah, it tends to go off, especially if no one mentions anything. And I prefer they kind of don't mention anything because I don't, I honestly don't want to trick my brain into thinking something's there that isn't. I'd like to kind of find out on my own. Talk to me about, um, so, so you've, you've gone and you've had some paranormal experiences in the, the seance. What happened during the seance when you were seven, just to go back a little bit, because I've always wanted to do a seance myself. We've done, me and Ash have done a Ouija board. We've done paranormal experiments together, separate. We've been on ghost paranormal investigations separately and done them ourselves together. Um, but I've never done a seance. And I would really like to. Oh, how well, did how how did you find it? And obviously, you were young, so you were kind of not pressured into it. But obviously, you were you, your parents led like got you involved, um, for want of a better phrase of of that. But what happened during that séance? And do you think that was the kickstart of a lot of stuff, or do you think? Um, you were just too petrified at that point. Well, no, I mean, the seance itself was nothing more than an exercise. And uh, my mom just kind of yelling at me like she always did because she was a real novice at the whole thing. But it kind of kickstarted because, and we tell this to people when we give tours, a child is more open to spiritual presence than us as adults would be. 
because us as adults, we've been taught to turn all that off and not mention it to anyone. It would give us a problem in society, but a child doesn't have those burdens. And as such, I guess maybe because I believed in the thing, it kind of worked out later. And I started to kind of sense all these things here and there. And then when I would let myself open up to it in adulthood, there it was again. So did anything come through in the seance? Oh, no, not at all. Um, it went poorly. I mean, it was more the act. Like, I know that's a good origin story, but it, it was more the act than it was the, the results of the act. Like I no, said, that's, mom, that's was, fair enough. mom was a novice. I was crying. She was yelling. Da, 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 da. But <laughs> maybe the emotional trauma I dealt with had something to do with it. Okay. Yeah. Very likely. Yeah. I so, think I'd be I'd be horrified at the age of seven being right. dragged into a sound, especially with my mum. She'd be shouting as well. <laughs> Definitely. So is is that do you think that's the sort of the key to sort of meditation, spirituality, sort of being open? Is that, is that kind of like a way into sort of experiencing stuff? Do you have to sort of open yourself up to it to experience stuff more more often? According to spirituality, yes, it is. And I've studied a lot of different religions just to see their takes on the afterlife because I'm curious about all that stuff. But spirituality is the only one that teaches you to free your mind to it, to meditate, to open up to that and let things in during it. And that's what they believe. And everything is centered around meditation with them. Now, I, I haven't done anything Buddhist or anything Taoist or anything like that. This is basic kind of American slapdash spirituality. But, yeah, it's worked for me so far. Cool. So kind of harking back to, you mentioned exorcism earlier on. Is that something like, do you, something you believe in? Is Can people become possessed? I know you said that objects can sort of have an attachment. Can that happen to humans and therefore can people be exercised like off like get this attachment away from them that's what you believe does happen i think it's it's kind of um over dramatized in the media let me start by saying that um yeah i think that for a brief moment you can maybe be overcome by something else i don't think you take on a completely different personality with completely different uh, movements and, you know, behaviors that aren't your own. I don't think that happens. I've never really seen that proven just, but I have known instances personally of, of others, not me per se. I wouldn't even know anyway, that during these kinds of things, something else sort of sits with them and they kind of do change their mood a bit if that makes sense. So yes, but it's not the, the end all be all worry that the conjuring movies, for example, makes it out to be. Yeah. I think Hollywood's got a lot to answer for. Um, yeah. We, we, we talked about Ouija boards before and on previous episodes and the fact that a lot of people see them as, as haunted, but uh, like with demons and gateways to hell and all that kind of stuff. And it was only after the Exorcist film came out that thinking went that way. There was a parlor game that people used to play to to try and talk to spirits, and then yeah. there was no no evil. So have you have you got a piece of equipment or some kind of experiment or exercise that you do that uh, over the years that you can say this is a particular way to communicate or get a, a response from a spirit. I know you talked about meditation and opening yourself up, which obviously that that's great, a great way of doing it. Um, but for the, for the average person who's not prepared to go down that route, have you used anything that you can definitively say you've been able to get results from or get any kind of proof or evidence of whatever they are yeah uh, my favorite piece of equipment is divining rods or dousing rods depending on what you call them 
Mm-hmm. Um, very simple, $10 copper rods, but I've gotten the best results and the most communication and they don't even always work. And I have that sort of internal logic of, well, the times it doesn't work just proves that the times it did work actually worked. I'm one of those kinds of people just for me personally, though. And I do get the most results out of them. I've got a few videos. I posted one. I'm going to post more. But I often have full conversations just using these two little uh, rods. Wow. It's only yes or no questions, though, is the thing Mm -hmm. (laughs) with those. So it gets kind of tricky because you run out of yes or no questions. (laughs) Yeah. What other types of kind of experiments do you sort of use when you're investigating? Well, take a lot of pictures. It's the rule of threes, uh, as we say in Gettysburg. And I always tell people on ghost, excuse me, people on ghost tours that to take a lot of photos. And there's a lot of tourists going on tours now that are just kind of generally curious that have done no research. And often I'll hear people say, why would I do that? to see the ghost you know like you're gonna if you're gonna see the ghost it's gonna be in the picture that's why you're here right and some people even do it for the history but i have a couple of different cameras i have a full spectrum camera that takes photos in the dark i have my point and click cameras that's they've never let me down um i do use an emf but i don't put much stock into it i have the k2 but Sometimes I get results from it. A lot of times I don't. I also love my handheld recorders to capture EVP. I've I've had a lot of luck lately with EVPs. So, when we follow one question from that was, is there sort of some evidence that you caught where you think this is like good, or what? What's your best piece of evidence that you might capture yourself, or you want to call it evidence, or you know what I mean? Well, yeah, my best uh, anomalies. We're probably all in one area. I posted it on my YouTube, uh, which is actually available, but I was able to get EVP. I was able to get response from the dowsing rods. I even got a spirit box response, which rarely happens. So there was that. And the EMF, there was no, there shouldn't have been any electrical interference, but it seems like there was. It all just kind of fell in together. Normally, I'm lucky if one of those things hit, and like four or five of them did. So, yeah, we we found when we've been doing stuff together that the spirit box has provided us with a lot of successful results for for me and Ash, both <laughs> in the basement where Ash lives, whole another story, and when we've been out. Um, and met up in some like haunted forests in the UK. Um, and we used the Estes method. Is that, is that a sort of a, a method of using the spirit box that you've used at all? Cause we, we find that gives us some, some more positive results than, than not. Is the Estes method where like, uh, words are connected in threes or is that the one where you, cl- you cover your eyes and ears? Oh so yeah. With your headphones on, and then right. someone will ask a question, but they can't hear the spirit box. Um, I, I've we, seen the Estes. Oh, I'm sorry, Greg. Did you want? Well, I was going to say that 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 that's where we've had some some great responses. Um, na- specific names. Ash has had specific conversations that he's heard. Um, so yeah, we we found that to be um, give us more positive sort of. I don't know, affirmation that something's happening uh, than well, other devices. I, I've seen the Estes method actually work once. Someone like that's why I'm a bit inexperienced with it myself. I don't mm-hmm. use a spirit box that way. I use a different kind of spirit box, specifically an app that you can't even get anymore, but I've always had a lot of weird luck with it. So okay. I include that. But as for the Estes method I've seen done, this was at the Borden House in Fall River, Massachusetts. This is where Andrew Borden and his wife were murdered, and Lizzie Borden was the prime suspect. The Lizzie Borden killings, basically. 
Yep. And I was there for a two-hour investigation. It looked like it worked. Uh, I wouldn't know how to set it up. Even though I've been doing this a long time, I'm relatively new with the spirit box myself. But I don't throw anything away. I consider all possibilities. So, you know. Okay, so question for you. What, what do you think they are? Do you think they're spirits of the dead? Do you think they're um, something else? What What's your take on what they are? Because it's an interesting question that we ask people. And some people say it's the dead. Some people say it's other things. So it'd be interesting to see what your, what your take on it would be. It's a good question. And I've kind of formed my own little theory. Yep. This theory started when I was a tour guide in Gettysburg and when I was training. And I had the trainer who was very bad at facts and dates. I, I've been laughed out of so many stops in Gettysburg. <laughs> Only now <laughs> understanding after studying the Civil War and the individual buildings in town, what exactly happened. But it took me a while to get there. And when I trained, there was a guy who was really into science and he kind of worked that in. There's a house in Gettysburg called the John Rupp Homestead. This was where John Rupp lived during the battle and he stayed in his basement during the three days. And when he came up, his house was covered in musket balls and had a couple of dead bodies that he buried and he had to make repairs and all that. And John Rupp began to experience hauntings within the year from that battle. But the hauntings he was experiencing and he asked all his neighbors about it, his children would hear buzzing at night. They thought there was a wasp nest upstairs. Hmm. So he began to ask his neighbors and one of the neighbors a gentleman named Mr. McCready, as a matter of fact, said, Hey, John, do you ever think the war is still going on? And it's implied that the buzzing was actually from the musket balls still being fired out there in Gettysburg during the battle. And this guy would use this to kind of explain Einstein's theory of relativity. We live in the third dimension. The fourth dimension is space and time. And Einstein in particular in that theory, and I'll give a very layman explanation of it is, and I do this in my tour and nobody will be able to see this, but you too will. So you sell the object fall, right? Yeah. Okay. How did it fall? There's a force. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, it, there was a force yeah. that made it fall. Yes. Gravity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just dropped it, but point being, did you see the gravity? Did you see the gravity with your eyes? No. But you know it's there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was Einstein's whole point. Sometimes you have to trust that something is working even if you can't see it, like gravity. Gravity is a force we can prove even though we can't see it. And with that, Einstein began to go into the theories of space and time being their own dimension. But this was a very light theory of its day, and they've kind of moved away from that sort of science, and that's okay. The idea being, though, and my theory from it, is that heaven and hell aren't above or below us. They're all around us. And kind of... I'm sort of, I sort of subscribe to the idea of a circular time theory. This is just me personally, that I think we're all going to be doing this again someday, that the three of us are going to be sitting in our respective rooms and homes having this same interview. I think where the haunting aspect might come into play is it'll be the year 3300 and who knows who's going to be here, but when they see us on our computers doing this interview, it's going to freak them out a little bit. This kind of blends in with the, uh, the glitch in the matrix series you might see on Reddit. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Interesting. So we, we're kind of just on a, a loop essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, so do you think that's what some of these spirits that, say at Gettysburg, same sort of thing, that 
it's just the battle being replayed over and over. Um, I think so, yeah. And I think it, they've been doing it so long because it was only three days and a lot of these men were under the age of 30. They did not have a life, mm-hmm. well, a full life, that they've done it so much. They've seen so many people come through. That was over 100 years ago, um, 150 now, that uh, they're kind of used to the idea that outsiders from another time can see them. This is based on personal reports from other hauntings in the area of soldiers, Confederate soldiers, actually interacting with people in the modern day. So do you think that they see us as a ghost, whereas we see them as the ghost? So they're interacting with us as though we're not of their time. So they, does that make sense? So we're the ghost to them and they're the ghost to us. Uh, Based on... Things I'm going over with spiritualists, with the spiritualist church. Sometimes they know, most times they don't. Sometimes they know that, you know, this is all going to happen again and again and again. This is their afterlife. And others, like, haven't, and this is what meditation is supposed to teach a spiritualist. Others haven't realized they've died. But they're still going through their day-to-day routine. So they they're unaware that they're on this kind of loop. So do, right. do so when when we when we die, um, as we all will, we're if we're not aware that we're dead, will we we will just do essentially we'll just be replaying our life again. Is that or have I got that wrong? Well, and again, personal theory, I have nothing in this. Yeah. I just I wake up, I live my day just like you, but um I don't know that we wouldn't start from zero and move all the way through it again and again and again. I if it if time is circular and we would go through the entirety of our life, that's why a lot of people well, to me, and again, theory. A lot of ghosts we see, you talk about tragic endings and young endings. Like, that's a lot more of a condensed time frame, right? I mean, if your life was only 25 years, you're going to get to the end really quick and start over again really quick. But if you had a 70, 80 year long life, you're not going to notice these things as much because it's going to be more diluted. I mean, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So are we saying that all time is happening at the same so all the time is happening at the same time i think personally yeah um right next to us at different times so everything that's happened and is happening and will happen is all happening now is Mm -hmm. because that kind kind of makes sense because we we talk about interdimensional beings that we've we've spoken to psychic mediums that talk about different planes so there's like 15 planes and we're in the middle somewhere and uh, different planes can't necessarily or not necessarily aware of other planes of existence uh, or right. spirituality um that guy's quite controversial in the UK but but the theory sounds good sounds good uh, as does everything happening all at once type thing everything yeah. that has happened and will happen is all happening now that kind of makes sense as well so <clears throat> what <laughs> it's quite a it's a it's a bit of a head scratcher isn't it because it's like quite said, deep <laughs> into like sort of yeah varies <laughs> and sort of well, meaning it, of life it. stuff and that's the, that is the good thing about all this. We we've we've done like two hundred episodes, near like well two hundred and fifteen total episodes where we've talked about all sorts of different stuff, um, and we're like on one hundred and eighteen, I think, of our main episodes where we've had proper interviews with people, and everybody's got a slightly different take on what it is, and I think it's absolutely fascinating when you speak to yourself for example victor 
um, and you've got one opinion uh, and your sort of theory from just going through life and you go, actually, my experiences lead me to believe it's this. And then I've got my my own beliefs. Um, like, I think where, where people are capturing EVPs, for example, it isn't always a spirit of a dead person that they're capturing. It potentially is someone from a different dimension, potentially. They're like in a parallel universe and we're we're intersecting at a similar point. We're having a conversation and they're kind of, they can almost hear it. It's, it sounds mad when you say that, but... I mean, yeah. And, it, and... It, it, it's just something I've seen, like you talk about Skinwalker Ranch, for example. They okay. had a portal, portal open up at Skinwalker Ranch and they could see this Native American um, guy standing the other side of a portal. And it's just like, well what's that all about if that is doesn't talk interdimensional and parallel universes what what even is that so what are your thoughts on like interdimensional stuff i know again a little bit away from the paranormal or such but it it does appear it comes up in conversations we have quite a lot so i mean it's a possibility too like i said i don't rule in anything out and maybe and I kind of look at at other theories and kind of sort of piece stuff together because again I can free it's a free world we live in but yeah I mean I've thought about string theory isn't that kind of what string theory is supposed to be that there are like 15 to 27 dimensions and energy particles can kind of move through each yeah why not yeah why not why not i think that's a good that's a good um a good phrase certainly nowadays after what we've been through the last few years and then you've got all these uap reports people talking about ghosts a lot people being more open to stuff definitely since the pandemic i think people have been open a lot more to spiritual stuff the spiritual side of life thinking a little bit more like you say life's short it is in the grand scheme of things, although from what you say, life's short this time round and then it's short the next time round. Um, right. <laughs> so it's 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 not it is, it's why not? Why why doesn't any of this it doesn't make sense, but it does make sense at the same time, if that makes sense. And that's uh this thing uh, I'll get into, this is gonna be a, a real anecdote, but I yep. think it it actually kind of helps us here in this method of thinking. As a tour guide, I get people will come up to me from my group and just show me photos of apparitions that would make your head spin. Like they'll show me a picture that they took either that day while they're out in Devil's Den in the battlefields of Gettysburg or even at their house. They'll show it to me full size, blown up, said, We took this today, we sent it to our daughter, she said, hey, what's this thing in the photo? They show it to me, and it's like irrefutable proof of an apparition. You won't find these on the internet. They're that good, and I wish I had them, but again, they're not my photos, and there's a good reason I don't have them. It's because they can trust me to see the photo, and I'm not going to think they're crazy because I'm giving the ghost tour. They can't show their friends, family, or neighbors because they're going to think, well, they're going to dismiss it as nothing. But it's so clear, it's irrefutable, and they don't want to say, yeah, clearly that's a speck of dust, when it's it's like a guy's head screaming in the middle of Devil's Den in this cave. And they don't want to be told, no, that's not a ghost, or just dismissed. They need someone to validate them, and the guy with the handlebar mustache is going to do that. So I see these all the time. I wish I could share them. I might start asking people for them, but it is their intellectual property. But going back into it, like the proof is there, even with quote unquote normies. And as I'm, and when I say proof, I mean enough experiences to keep me always questioning this kind of stuff. Even though I think 
maybe spirituality might be on the comeback trail, even though um, skepticism seems louder than ever, and that's fine. The two aren't mutually exclusive. I think there are more experiences kind of happening because of all the emotional suffering, and that's just a personal theory, but it might be that way. Yeah, it's, it's been a tough time over the last few years across the globe. And I think, like I mentioned a minute ago, I think people are more open to the idea of all different things now. It's It's been an opportunity for people to to look at themselves, sort of about a bit of self-reflection, a bit of what what is what is going on, what is the bigger picture. And I think people are de- definitely, we, we've seen, we, we started the podcast during lockdown. Um, as a way to sort of have conversations with people like you because there was an interest people people have an interest in this kind of stuff and it's our show's grown from like zero listeners and <laughs> fre- well just about friends that don't listen anymore um to to like people all over the world listening and we've been very fortunate that people people have a listen to our to our stuff so i think there's definitely an appetite for people trying to understand what what's going on we we have a lot of conversations with people and their their experiences all start off or a lot of them start off when they're young and they they've it's been throughout their life and like their parents got them into it or or whatnot but there's another side of it that certainly with the paranormal that we have a lot of um guests on that have had experiences of ufos alongside the paranormal is that something that a you've had and b with places like gettysburg is there other phenomena like ufos cryptids for example that happen in that area because of the other stuff that happens i just i just wondered i don't know if gettysburg has any other phenomena happen but be interesting to know there have been ufo sightings in rural pennsylvania um i've never seen one in rural pennsylvania but i've i've had three sightings i'm on a u.s watch list now uh because of one report i was in but even though you, I've you, had these... right, whoa, 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 whoa. All right, we can go. You, yeah, you, can't, you, can't, you can't go on and say you're on a watch list and not tell us about that. All right, well, yeah, let's, let's do the... Yeah, let's, this is juicy stuff. Let's do some theatrics then. Yeah, go on, go on. So this starts with actress Tallulah Bankhead. Very old... Uh, Golden age of screen actress. I mean, she's she died a long time ago. She died relatively. You know, she had a, a reasonable life, but Tallulah Bankhead was kind of a firebrand for her day. Sort of encapsulated the the attitude of the Roaring Twenties throughout her entire life. Uh, came from privilege. Her father was a judge. That's usually the case. That's what happened with Zelda Fitzgerald. Yeah. But real fireplug. Tallulah Bankhead, her last words on her deathbed were whiskey and uh, rye, I believe, because she just wanted a drink before she went. So she's buried in a town called Chestertown, Maryland. That's where her family is from. This is not too far from me. And I had read on Atlas Obscura that if you go to Miss Bankhead's grave and you bring a small bottle of whiskey, you turn your back. And then you turn around and look at the whiskey again. Wouldn't you know it? It'll be gone. I had to see this for myself. So I head down to Miss Bankhead's grave. And this is rural eastern Maryland. It's just all farmland. They're starting to develop. They've got some big houses in the middle of nowhere. But eventually I find her grave next to her family, the judge and all that. And people celebrate at her grave. They leave Mardi Gras beads. They leave liquor bottles and all that stuff. I had a drink, I did a little spirit bot session and um, an EMF. I didn't get anything, to be honest. They said that she'll sing to you if you ask her to, but got nothing, got nothing on the EVP, got nothing. That's okay. I said, all right. 
and I started my long schlog back home. On the way back home through rural Maryland, lights in the sky began to kind of zoom past overhead. And I stopped on the side of a rural highway, got out and looked, and my phone camera at the time could not capture this. But there are all these flying lights going by. I was not the only one who felt this way. I logged into Twitter, and wouldn't you know it, I looked into Kent, Maryland, and that particular night, a bunch of people from Kent, Maryland are going, do you all see this in the sky? And the next thing you know, there's a UFO report on a UFO website uh, with, and by the way, uh, Victor Johnson is a pseudonym, just so you know, but it has my real name on it, and that's kind of partly why I go by Victor Johnson now. But uh, there's my real name. Okay. And I'm on a UFO report. Great. So that was my first UFO sighting. But I didn't even come for the UFO. I was trying to have a, a dead actress sing to me. Why not? Yeah. So at least I got something. I just completely was unprepared for it. It's always when you're not looking. That's the end. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing, we are not expecting it. Yeah. Well, this is good, but what about the ghost lady? No, I mean, <laughs> no, that's sort of what it was. So kind of bringing it a bit closer to our home, is there any kind of UK hauntings or cases that you're aware of or interested in that you've come across? Uh, yes, and uh, I did ask you to, before we began, uh, what part of the UK you were from, et cetera, et cetera. I have to bring up number 50, Berkeley Square, the terror of Berkeley Square. And it's one I've always wanted to visit. I, I'm going to start my overseas ventures, hopefully, within the next two or three years as things sort of steamroll. But number 50, Berkeley Square, is such a big-time ghost story that it reached me over here. In one of my old, like, I knew this story when I was 10. It was in one of my Scholastic Book Fair books, which is a thing we had at our public schools where kids could buy books at a reduced rate and read them for leisure. And I learned about number 50 Berkeley Square was one of the first ghost stories I ever read. And I've always wanted to go there, even though I believe it's just a regular shop now. And I don't even think they let you go upstairs. I still, even being in the building would be something to me. And that would be my big London haunting, at the very least. And that, that's in Mayfair, for anybody who's not not sure. It, yeah. It, yeah, it is a, um, a creepy... I've just pulled it up on Google. It is quite yeah. a, a creepy-looking okay. building, proper old oh, school building. And sorry, I don't know the difference between London and Mayfair. That one I can't tell you, but I can tell no, you what haunts Mayfair. Mayfair is quite a, a posh area, a posh part of London. Mayfair. Mm. Berkeley Square is for definite. Yeah, Mayfair's the uh, the highest property on our Monopoly board. Ah, uh, it is. Yeah. It is. No Americans yeah. have like a different version of Monopoly. Different, obviously. Yeah, different um, our Monopoly board is based on Atlantic City, New Jersey. Okay. As a matter of fact, uh, I used to give Atlantic City ghost tours as well. <laughs> cool. So, do you say you got um, you got the May this this Barclay Square one. Um, mm -hmm. which which is probably a lesser known one in the UK. I haven't heard of this one. I'm just Googling it now. It's yeah. Uh, yeah, and that, that's that just like I, I thought about that, and you two are both wonderful, by the way. Again, thank you for having me on, but I'm like, they don't know what Berkeley that's Square it. is. Like, I can tell you everything about Berkeley Square, almost. <laughs> um, someone jumped from the top of it and uh, ended yes. their lives that way, and that's where things began, and then... One person went mad. One person slept up there with a gun and kind of fired into the wall at nothing. It's this big, weird kind of green, evil fog. Uh, two people broke into it to sleep for the night. One ended up killing the other. This is over like decades. And it's just wow. got such a long history until weirdly it kind of petered out. Now, skeptics yeah. use that saying, well, you know, uh, uh, as, well, a skeptical analysis, I should say, because again, they're not mutually exclusive, says things were different back then. Eyewitness reports are famously unreliable. 
records from that era, da-da-da-da. And as things modernized, well, that's why there are no more ghost stories because there was never a ghost to begin with. I say energy can, well, I believe energy can kind of move on. And even though I gave us that theory of a revolving afterlife, I think also things do kind of peter out eventually. And I don't know why or where. There was a, one of my first expeditions as a ghost hunter was when I was 18 to a home that was rumored to be possessed. Like there was a, an actual demonic presence inside very haunted that house is still there to this day and but i went to that house when i was 18 we we totally didn't break in i mean the the american statute of limitations is run out but uh we totally didn't break in anyway always get permission kids and uh we totally didn't have an experience well no we had an experience at this house we totally didn't break into um we didn't see or feel, or we did, now I'm confusing my own misnomers, we did <laughs> totally feel something, we did hear things. And I went back years later, this one I did do absolutely legally, but I had kind of misled the owner of the house. I came as the guise of a buyer. I'm like, yeah, absolutely, I have $200,000 cash, but he showed it to me during the day. Nothing, no feelings. No presents, no EVPs. I, I had a tape recorder in my pocket. Nothing. I went through this whole house. It was gone. Whatever was there had moved on. And I know that throws a wrench into the circular afterlife, but also maybe maybe if you get good enough to, to know where you are in the afterlife, maybe you can leave. I don't know. But maybe that's what also, going back to Berkeley Square, maybe that's what happened at number 50, Berkeley Square. So I thought you might have gone down the route of the Enfield poltergeist. That's quite a big part of, like, the Conjuring 2 film was based on um, the Bless Enfield. The <laughs> um, Bless the Warrens. Bless the yeah. part. Yeah. So the Enfield poltergeist is one of my particular favourites. Um, okay. For definite. Um so that I thought that might that might have come up. Um, I know a lot about it. That's why I didn't bring it up. If, yeah. uh, if that makes sense, yeah. Um, yeah. Because that was a big one. You're right, Greg. Uh, that one was so big that Joe Nickel, who is our American skeptic ghost hunter, and he hunts. He's 77 now, or in his 80s, but he hunts from a stake of skeptical atheist. All of this is fake. And that's where he begins his ghost hunts from. He actually jumped on a plane during the possession and basically tailed the Warrens to say, no, this is fake. No, that didn't happen. No, this, no, that at the time it was going on. And that I know that and seeing The Conjuring 2, which paints Ed Warren as a like a superhero, but for the paranormal, it just kind of took me out of it. Don't the Conjuring films do that about those two anyway? They make them yeah. out to be to be heroes. Yeah, in the Conjuring two, their their uh, participation in the the whole event is somewhat glamorized and yes. embelli- <laughs> embellished, embellished yeah. a little bit. Yeah. So cool, cool, cool. So do you, you mentioned about YouTube channel? So mm-hmm. where can people find you where can people find some of the stuff you've done um where can they come and go on a ghost tour with you uh good questions well um i work at the uh, the gettysburg orphanage it was originally the well it was an orphanage but it was known as the the homestead of soldiers orphanage or something and it's been there over 200 years now it has a long history that's where i'll be giving tours at uh in addition i just started my youtube channel i'm making new i'm putting new content up this week that's at destination spooky i want to say on record i'm sorry to the destination fear people i wasn't thinking about them when i was looking at that i just uh i saw the trademark was available i thought this would be fun for a book series so i sort of went with the name 
And I am getting ready to put out my first book, which is a travel guide, uh, Destination Spooky Presents, Destination Roswell, which is about the town of Roswell, New Mexico, which had the crash in 1947, allegedly yeah, on the record. I, I've heard this. I've heard something about Roswell before. Yeah, <laughs> ring rings a bell. Rings a bell. It rings a bell. Yeah. yeah. Cool. So, is the we'll put the links up on on the show notes as well for everybody. Oh uh, yeah, no problem. But yeah, but yeah, thank you, thank you so much for for taking the time to speak with us today. Absolutely, it didn't really even seem like an hour. We went over well. This yeah. was really fun, though. Thank you. Yeah, we'll we'll get you back on definitely. Um, but yeah, thank thank you once again, Reverend Victor S. Johnson. Um, thank you, Greg. Thank you, Ash. Thank you. And we'll yeah, we'll we'll talk more. We'll have conversations, I'm sure, in the paranormal or what group chat. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Pursuit of the paranormal with Ash and Greg.